0: Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Radio Days, a podcast radio program that delves into the world of terrestrial radio, its DJs, and on-air personality, and you, all fans of the radio as a medium. Here is your host, Ron Robinson. Hello and welcome to Radio Days, the Streamcast, episode one of season three. How have you been? Um... We are, we are not only going to offer the audio podcast for your enjoyment this season, but now you can watch this show via streamcasting on YouTube and, of course, at studios.com. This week, we're going to sit down with a very decorated Detroit radio personality and a former PA announcer for the Detroit Pistons. You may know him as the casual one. This week on Radio Days, the streamcast, I'm going to welcome the legendary Mr. Ken Calvert. We're also going to be joined by a special guest or two, but first... Today's episode is brought to you by NR, excuse me, NRM Streamcast, also by Radio Days, the docu-series. And uh, I'm very excited to uh, introduce here in a second uh, our latest uh, sponsor to this program, the Linda Ray Team Real Estate Professionals. This first segment, in fact, is sponsored by the Linda Ray Team. And to tell us more about the Linda Ray Team, here is Linda herself. Linda, how are you today?
1: Hey, I'm wonderful. Wonderful. It's 2023 coming up, huh?
0: Yeah, it's, I can't believe it's, it's 2023. So what, what does 2023, what, uh, tell us a little bit about your Linda Ray professional uh, real estate team.
1: Well, our team is, uh, we've never been more prepared and motivated to attract uh, closings for both buyers and sellers and to also educate the public on the uh, economic shift, make sure that they don't leave any money on the table.
0: Yes, no. So, if someone is in the market to either buy or sell, how how do they go about utilizing your expertise?
1: Well, just call and schedule a private consultation with us, and uh, we will have a lot of information for for you and also uh, answers for things that I'm sure that you have questions to regarding the sales of homes in 2023.
0: And, of course, you can uh, find uh, the Linda Ray information right there on the screen there. So, Linda... Uh, Here's to a Prosperous 2023, and thank you for being a sponsor of this program. We appreciate you. Oh,
1: thank you very much, everybody. Have a blessed day.
0: So before I welcome my guests today, um, I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to hear previous episodes of Radio Days, the podcast, you can do so by logging on to RonRobinsonStudios.com. So without further ado, here is part one of my interview with the casual one, Mr. Ken Calvert. Enjoy. My guest today has been heard on W four WABX WLLZ and Riff, and from eighty six to two thousand two, he was the PA announcer at the Palace of the De- of the uh, Auburn Hills for the Detroit Pistons. Did I mention this is my favorite thing about you? Ken is that you are a graduate of Brother Rice High School.
2: Yeah, hail our warriors! Hats off to thee. <laughs> to our colors, true we will ever be, orange and black united we stand, working ever failing, never pulling for our team together, warriors. We think you're grand.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ken Calvert. How are you, sir? I'm
2: fine. I'm fine. This is awesome. I'm looking across at a couple of really old and great, great friends. Yeah. Just incredible.
0: And I want to give them an introduction. Please do. Before we go any further, I want to bring in and introduce uh, another luminary in Detroit radio and former coworker of Ken's, Buzz Van Houten. And and if you work in the industry, you know that name. If if you're an avid radio fan, you might not know Buzz Buzz's name, but he's worked in sales and he's worked in management for just about I don't know every radio station here in Detroit. Um, You guys worked together, I think, at Wheels
3: Wheels Wheels W R A F and W four and W four that one W J R and and W J R. -R,
0: We're going to talk about that too, because that's something you don't talk a lot about, Ken. But uh, but I wanted to bring in Buzz because you know. This show is about personalities in their career, and you guys go way back. I mean, you guys go way back to the beginning. Before, Ken Calvert was Ken Calvert. I mean, could you talk about uh, when you guys were starting, coming up together? Well, I don't want um, it, to it,
2: – it sort of involves Don Schuster. Okay, right? it definitely right. involves – All right, well, I, I hate to do, I'll bring I, in – yeah, no, that's fair that's enough. I hate to enough. do that to you, but yeah, I can't really start the platform that, that we built – Without Don Schuster, right?
0: Fair enough. So, with that in mind, we're going to bring the the, the talented. Uh, I I I keep wanting to call him Mister Ripley because he looks younger every time <laughs> I talk to him. But Ken, uh, Ken, you worked with this man, Donald Schuster, uh, in, in the W four days. And if if you if if you don't recognize that name, Donald Schuster has been around. I don't know for for a long time. What was your first job in radio, Don?
4: My first job in radio is when I'm 16 years old, and I get a job at WKNR Keener 13. To answer the request lines, 6 p.m. to midnight for a dollar sixty an hour.
2: Who was working? Who was doing the shift?
4: Uh, Well, there was Ed Bush at the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And uh, uh, a guy named uh, Sean Conrad was doing afternoons. And I think a guy that went on to be named Bob Dearborn was doing evenings. I forget what name he was using on Keener at the time.
2: Yeah, he said uh, Sean Sebastian, right? Was that the Uh,
4: Sean Conrad was doing. Sean
2: Conrad. And he became he actually pioneered uh, WKNR FM, or was one of the the real. Um, he he was part of the core that took uh, WKNR and really went toe to toe with WABX and WRIF FM. So I'm sorry, and Jerry Goodwin no.
4: goes from the AM. Yeah, Jerry Goodwin Jerry goes from the Goodwin. AM to the FM. Jerry so he goes Good, from, Goodwin with a really Every yucky everybody. sound in his voice, saying "Sweetie, baby, chicky, pussy cat" on the AM. He <laughs> yeah, right. down, whatever on the FM.
0: I, I, it was important for me to bring in Don because doing research for my interview with you, Cannon, which I took very seriously because... Ken Calvert to me is one of the best persons that ever conducted any interviews. I mean, JP gets a lot of respect, you know, Larry King, but Ken Calvert to me is the epitome of someone who you would want to interview somebody. And so with that in mind, I did my homework and I listened to the podcast that you did with Mike Staff, and you told the story uh-huh. about how you came to get hired at W4, how Donald Schuster here hired you, that you could you tell that story a little bit?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll make it really, really as quick as I can. I was desperate. I always wanted to be. I was one of those guys, and we've read about it so many times, from, uh, you know, um, all of the consultants will talk about things in a broadcaster's life. The record ending, and you cannot find the album you're looking for, even though there are 10,000 albums to pick from. You want that one song, and you keep looking back at the turntable, and the record is ending, and your time is getting shorter and shorter, and you wake up and you go, ah! You know, you just (laughs) absolutely go insane. The other story that every really good broadcaster will tell you is exactly what I did. I would lay in bed at night as a young kid, and I had a small transistor radio with an alligator clip, and you you would just simply click it to anything metal, And you would get, especially at night when the 50,000 clear-watt radio stations would just get on a train and run. And I remember listening to WLS, CFL. um,
3: Ernie's record mark from Memphis,
2: Tennessee. Yeah, and and Pittsburgh, and WDBE, I believe it was. And I just remember going, wow. I I get the chills thinking about it right now. Wow, I got to do this. I got to do this. And that's... When I moved sideways to Keener 13, and that's when Lee Allen was Lee Allen on the horn. And uh, I just fell in love with these guys, make it or break it. And I begged my parents for a phone so I could call Keener 13, Four Seasons, uh, you know, Sherry Bates. So the other
4: names you remember, Ken, would be Scott Regan, J. Michael Wilson. Oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. i
4: the era. That was, that was 1965, 66. And they
2: were great, great jocks who were who were managing to do all of this production in such a short period of time. In right. three minutes, they could yeah. create a production piece. Uh, I remember there was a guy by the name of uh, J. Michael Wilson or something like that, and he had a character called Rodney the Wonder Rodent, and he would he would take tape and he would go from seven and a half to fifteen and make it turn into a mouse sounding little thing. And the character was always getting in his way in the studio, and it, it was just it, it was wonderful stuff. So that's basically how I got my. My interest in radio came from that, and that's all I wanted to do. I pursued it. I pursued it. I pursued it. Went to Aquinas College. I tried out for the radio station there. The general manager of the radio station said to me, quote, do the industry a favor and never get into it. That was enough for me to say, (laughs) okay, now you lit uh, uh, more than an M80 up my butt, and now I'm doing this thing. Went to OCCWORB, had to give me a gig because I took 12 hours. They they partnered me with this woman by the name of Randy Stember. And Randy Stember was in a – well, I'm going to simply say she was beautiful. She was absolutely gorgeous, had a great voice, still has a great voice. Randy Thomas, she took that radio name, got herself a job at W4. And she kept telling the people at W4, there's this guy, Ken Calvert, you really should kind of, you know – you know, take a look or take a listen to. I believe, Don, it was, I believe it was Randy that got me the interview with you. Yes, and that is
4: very close to how I remember it. I actually remember, uh, you know, first of all, there was a vacuum created at W-4 because a couple of the management people and a couple of the on-air people all went as a group to Dallas to start KZEW. That's right. I
2: remember, yeah, Mark, Mark Addy was one of them, um, and uh, who was the guy from- Michael Benner. Uh, Ken, no. Rundle. Uh, Ken Rundle. Ken Rundle. Michael Benner
3: stays here. Yeah, yeah
2: Benner stayed. Yeah, Benner, uh, that's
3: where
4: he
2: did. But I'm trying to think of the guy from J. Michael, or Ira J. Wilson.
4: Yes. Ira, Ira J. J. Cook. Ira, Ira J. Cook.
2: Yeah. Ira J. Cook was the program director at KZEW, wasn't he? And didn't he sort of. Yes. He he just. And John ra- he was the general manager. Yes, and he rated W4 for its talent. Leaving. uh,
4: Well, he took W Force Talent with him, yeah. Well, good for him. He was that great of a manager that we would want to stick with him. But it did create a vacuum in Detroit for which I became the program director. Yep. At 18 years old. I I was 21. (laughs) I was 21. Yep. You are right about it being young.
2: Yes. Can I highly recommend uh, it? Well, okay, but go ahead.
4: I walk into the production studio one day as I know I'm in need of on-air talent because this vacuum has been created. And uh, Randy is listening to a tape of yours. And I the way I recall it is I say to Randy, who is that? He is exactly who I'm looking for. You reminded me of Paul Griner on yes. WABX. And that, that certainly helped because that was this general sound I was looking for. And uh, that puts the two of us in touch, and uh, we go from there and uh, yeah. even solidify our upcoming relationship <laughs> yeah. even further in the sunshine, as you might want to tell.
2: On Belle Isle. I remember <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at the time a house painter with a very good and now very successful friend of mine, Peter Leonard, who's an author, the son of the dickens of detroit elmore leonard and we were painting houses and we were we were going by the name of turpentine I, I was bud turp and he was rick Tyne. and a true story and um so we um i got this phone call or somehow i don't know exactly how it came down but it must have been a phone call from randy telling me to call you and i think that's how it happened Something so like that, yeah. I, you know, I called you, and you said, sure, come on down. Let me buy you lunch or something like that. Got down to W4. Um, I don't know if we got – I think we got in my car. We stopped at a, at a small little carryout place for a chicken. KFC? And I don't know. If it, I don't know, but exactly. But I remember you left. You know, me it's amazing the, how
4: we recreate the details. You know what? Because we're both on the same page with these stories. I had you stocking at Great Scott all night when instead of painting. And when I tell the
0: story, no, you know, and I was
2: working. A, I, yeah, I was working at the grocery store as well. Didn't you work yeah, with okay. Chuck
0: Santoni? I another? worked with yeah. Chuck Santoni. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I also worked with Jim Scollin, who ended up going to Northern Michigan and has been a pioneer. Had, had been a Northern Michigan pioneer in terms of broadcasting. He's still broadcasting. Still doing that. It, but the point I was going to make, Don, was that you pulled into the parking lot of this chicken shack or whatever it was, and it was not the best part of Detroit. We've got to be honest about that. The building Order, ordering it. bell Isle. And you said, stay right here. I'm going to go in and get some chicken. And I went, okay.
1: <laughs>
2: and I, I was driving, as a matter of fact. I remember that now, and I was just like okay, done, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We ended up getting a bucket of chicken and some sides of something. I know you brought a side with you as we got over to, we went over to Belle Isle, and we, if I'm not mistaken, we, I was smoking at the time. I don't know if you were, what I'm getting at is we smoked a big fatty. We smoked a big You
4: know, I had forgotten that, and I probably the reason I'd forgotten that, it was so normal at that time. There was nothing. That yeah. Stood out about yeah.
2: It. Yeah. Well, I remember, and all we did, we sat outside, having food, talking exactly the way we're talking now, almost fifty years later. I mean, if you think about it, forty-nine really, years. Yeah. Has it been? Yes, it has. Okay. I, yes. Seventy. Yep. Yeah. Forty-nine. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll tell this side, and then you tell your side. We had a marvelous time. We shared interests that were like so similar, it was scary. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, I was at the grocery store. I was house painting. I was at OCC. And I remember, the way I remember it, you told me, "You you got a hell of a future in this business. It's just not here right now. It would be almost irresponsible for me to take and put forth you in front of the general manager because you've only got a little college behind you. And I said, it doesn't matter, man. I did it. I accomplished it. I got an interview at a major market radio station. And you didn't just dust me off. We had lunch. You listened. I listened. We had a great time. And then somehow within the next couple of days, maybe even the same day, you called me to say, hey, my all-night guy is always screwing up and screwing me. Is there any way you can come down and do the all-night show for me? And it was, I, I will name the guy it was Brent Wilson. Do you remember Brent? Wilson? Oh,
3: absolutely, yeah, I do. Is that am um, I? Although correct? I'm going
4: to deny saying he screwed me up. I would I would absolutely agree that I called you to do the all night show. I'm going to deny that I ever said Brent was screwing me <laughs>
3: well, up. Well, I, I didn't mean to,
2: I I throw around words, Lucid, like screw screw up, <laughs> mean, meaning meaning called in sick or something like that,
3: or fall asleep. <laughs> well, <Okay. laughs> I know that well, you deny no
2: matter what. Such a man of class, he always was. I know. Until you get him on but the air. With- I'm
4: going to take the story from there for a moment, because that is absolutely true. Yep. That I call Ken and say, why don't we do an on-air audition, we'll do it on the all-night show, you know, virtually nobody's listening, and certainly relatively nobody was listening, and uh, let's just do a dry run there. And I, to this day, 49 years later, regret not recording that all-night show, because oh. you were totally free-form, because I didn't tell you to do anything. I had to just Let's just keep the station on the air, and let's do something for six hours, and you just ran free-form, you know, not even knowing the rules, and it was one of the most marvelous six hours I've ever heard on radio. Do you agree with that, Buzz?
3: I do. Can I interject something here? Because the next morning, when you came in, I stayed up that night and listened to his show and i agree with you that he really resembles uh, in his approach to everything paul greiner and the next morning when i saw you the first thing i said to you was don you got to hire this guy i mean and i had to go tell i think it was bart walsh was our general manager at the time and i went into him and said the same thing and he's looking at me like you're a sales guy what do you know well i know good radio and i know good you know good presentation <laughs> when i hear it that's what i know was, yeah, it just, was, it was it just great.
0: his pipes, or was it because of the way no, he went it was about the oh, show? No, no, no he it was, was the casual one from day one.
4: Let me even give you an example that happened off air, and it'll at least point to the quirkiness he brought to on air that night. This is off air now. One time Ken comes in, and off the air he's doing a bit about how he's got hemorrhoids. And he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him it's because he's been being nervous and tense while in a seated position. And that premise that premise became the running underlying note of an ongoing joke he ran for the entire day. And it was, some of, again, some of the most marvelous humor I've ever heard extended in my life. Now, he didn't do hemorrhoid humor on the air, but he ran loose and wild like that all night long, and it was phenomenal.
2: Oh, I I remember that I remember you coming in after 1 hour. You you basically left me alone in that studio and you had work to do in your office across the hall and you would kind of come in and just give me the thumbs up like keep it going in other words just keep us on the air. That was my mission. That was indeed my mission. And I remember barely being able to put the needle you know, and doing uh, queuing it up, and and I was just like trying to. The pots were the size of my hat; those big twist and turn dudes. But uh, so anyway, I, I I remember, I remember earlier in the day you telling me, "Don't go back to bed. Don't take a nap. Put on a pot of coffee right now. Get down here early. I'll do some coaching." And I think that I almost collapsed at about six a.m. But we got through you it. You probably did. Yeah. You sure did. But well,
0: it's interesting to hear their perspective of what they thought of you, Ken. But from your perspective, I mean, you were, were you just happy for the opportunity? What was going on in your head?
2: 100%. 100%. I could say, I could officially say and tell my friends and the teachers that did believe in me in high school, very few, um, <laughs> a limited a bundle that was, um, that I, I did it. That I, I actually did it on a major market radio station and of course I never thought to tape it either uh, maybe art volo did <laughs> it's possible <laughs> yeah have you
0: been to his catalog it's like a it's amazing how many people he has ear checks from
2: well yeah I, it, was, it was it was always funny because art would tape everybody and then he would take our our shows and if somebody would say what does this Ken Calvert sound like he would go well, uh, I'll send you an air check of him, and he'd say, "But it's going to cost you hundred bucks." It was, yeah, great. Yeah. it was great to know that he was running a cottage industry <laughs> over recording all of us as radio's, yeah, best, friend. radio's best friend. I do want to uh, ask
0: a question here because, especially people in radio now, they all come from the digital age. And I'm I, in my movie, I do a segment of of the rock wars that were going on in those early days. But what I really like to know about and if you could walk us through, Ken, because nowadays, if you go on the air, say like Meltdown at Riff or anybody of the kind, you know, they have a system that's all digital. It's all computerized. But when you walked into the studio back in at W4 and even the ABX days, it you worked your butt off for 4 hours, didn't you? I mean, talk to me what was that like to do a show cuz it wasn't just about turning records, was it?
2: No. Uh, and and the other thing is I was just going to follow up with with uh, what Buzzy was saying. I remember getting off the air and I do remember even me sort of saying to myself because of the pacing that we were doing back in the 70s, it was much more of a Hey, WWW. Great to be with you. Got a really tasty track coming up. <laughs> Gonna do some Uriah heap for you. No, not the one you're thinking about. But it was everybody was sort of in that lower. I remember Karen Savelli really when you hear an air check of Karen, it was She was silky. She loved to use the word tasty. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. And then but the, 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 there was really no show prep, but I remember that we did everything according to, at that time, it was Don Schuster. We had a box, we had songs in the box, we sort of played with the format, but... The whole format at the time was totally different, and I don't know if that's getting back to your question or not, but it was, you know, we just sort of got, we got there early because we wanted to be, that was really a clubhouse. Yeah, That was a place to hang out. If it would have had um, like a bunk, literally a bunk house, a lot of people would stay there and should have stayed there because of what we would do around the area.
3: I uh, often refer to it as the uh, University of Radio because it was a time when, uh, most of the people that worked there, myself included, was our first radio jobs. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. in a major market. And, and it was WKRP in, in many, many, many ways. Many, many ways. Oh, yeah. my God, yes. And, you know, from the point where the uh, general manager would tell you to go out, if, if you were sitting at your desk, he'd say, yeah, listen, uh, there's potholes in the parking lot. Go out and fill them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember cutting Ron, the Ron, I'll
4: address... Can I address on some level the comparison between the digitally programmed era of now and the freer form era of then, although it was formatted? Um, The case you could make for the way it's programmed now is that it lends for more consistency because as much as there was formatting back then, and Ken was following a format when he went in there and Karen was following the same format – it still allowed for the individual Jack's personal taste to come mm. through because you had to select a song from Category A next. It's programmed to that extent. You were limited from the category from which you're going to pick. But there were a lot of variances within that category so that uh, it, there's a consistency today that you could make a case for is good.
2: You could do Uriah Heap into a traffic song, whereas Karen may have done Uriah Heap into a Rolling Stone song, which would have been categorically in the same boxes, but right. different different artists. Does that make sense? Yeah, Ken eventually
4: yeah. gets Ken eventually gets the six p.m. to ten p.m. slot on w 4 That's a big time slot. This mm-hmm. was nineteen seventies. This was basically young men, uh, eighteen to thirty four, listening. Uh, you know, that was when they tuned in the radio. That was rock and roll nighttime in Detroit. Talk about personal taste slipping in. So a few days into his show, at 6 o'clock, Ken takes over. First song of the show at 6 o'clock, Detroit, Rock City. These people have been hammering out at Ford Motor Company all day on the line. And Ken starts out with Hot Rod Lincoln by Commander Cody and the Lost Planet <laughs> Airman. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <imitation> I love <that> song. <subsequens> so G- do. You know, it's, it's a combination between 1950 and a novelty song. Right, and and I pull Ken into my office the next day. You know, Ken, you're doing a good job overall. You really, really are, I'm, Ken. I'm looking for a little more of a driving Detroit sound to kick off <laughs> that show to set the tone. I want to play for you "Rolling Down the Highway" by Bachman Turner Overdrive. This is a little bit more of the sound I'm looking for. And he adapted.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, because you did it correctly. You you sort of you didn't sort of push me in the direction. You steered me in the direction. You know, you didn't grab the wheel. So many PDs, and we could do a. A whole. I mean, there's a, there's your next series. Just talk to program directors yeah. and ask them about their management styles. But your management style was was the, one of the very. I, I was terrified when you left, and I was crushed when you left because of both how much I enjoyed our time together and how you sort of really directed us in such cool and positive directions without us even knowing it. And that was cool. Then others came in who were not so cool. And I was totally, <laughs> I was not, I did not play as nice. But don't forget as well that part of that job, Ron, as well, was to work in concert with the sales department. And that's where the WKRP portion of it came in because Buzzy would, I remember you guys were all on the first floor yep. looking out the window, 2930 East Jefferson, and they were like, Two desks or three across. It was two,
3: like, there was two, and McNally was in one. You, I was in another one. Gary yeah. Lewis and uh, that the blonde uh, lady. I'm trying to remember her name. That McNally would occasionally have to do yeah. do late nights with. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and who was? I'll never
2: forget Bart Walsh. When Bart Walsh hired me, by the way, i for six to ten at night. Called me in and made him. He tried to make me feel like this was killing him. He didn't want to do this. <laughs> sit down, sit down. Uh, you like it here? Oh, I'm, I'm in heaven. I've never been this is the happiest place I've ever been. Good. Um, all right. Here's what we're gonna do. I got stuff to do. I'm gonna pay you. Uh, I wrote it down here somewhere. All right. I'm gonna pay you um, 750 bucks a month, six days a week. I want you doing six to ten. Don wrote it down for me. I want you doing six to ten at night, and then uh, I want you to do 10 to 2 on Saturdays. And McNally did 6 to 10 in the morning. And right. a, a sales oh. guy did a morning show. And Roger Middleton was another one that oh had my a part. And these guys went on to be big stars yes. in, in radio. But, but on. only
4: but only Pat McNally used classic phrases like, the clock on the wall says it's 8 Yes.
2: <laughs> I remember, that's funny see, because this is what we do. I remember when Paul Sullivan was our PD and I used to say, Or I did say, the temperature stands at 77 degrees right now in the Rockin' Motor City. And he came blasting through the door. And he's like, the temperature stands? Does the temperature walk? (laughs) 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 And it was like, and I remember he walked over to like, there was an ashtray and he like tipped it over. And I was like, all right, push it back a little bit, bro. Push it back a little bit. Oh, boy. But I remember that. The temperature stands. Does the temperature want Little nuggets that I'll never, ever forget. But what I was going to say is that I remember Buzzy came into the studio one time and said, I need your help. I got an auto parts guy going on the air. And uh, I forget what the name of it was now. But I wrote a jingle. Uh, Edelbrock. Yep. Ed rock Manifold's made for you, and you did the baritone part of it. Amen. And the, <coughs> I remember the client absolutely loved it. But um, just to add real quickly to anything that I sort of tend to go off on, Don was special. Don was the greatest. Don was, like I said, the director of all things good. If I could take one space in time and go back and just stay there, I would take that time. I remember as well, I actually painted because of the fact that in order for me to get a loan for my car from Bart Walsh, he said, I'll loan you the money, but you have to paint the radio station.
3: Oh, yeah. You were painting the studio. And- I was painting the inside yeah. of that radio station yeah.
2: for for at least two and a half months. Yep. <laughs> wow. It, it was brutal. It was one of the worst things ever. And the other thing was Chris Fahler and that famous, famous sign out in front. It was like a movie theater sign. Yep. And we took a great photo. I hope you've seen it, and I hope you have it. Do you have it, Don? The photo of Hello. us I'm of all standing up on that billboard on twenty nine. Boy, 30th? I can
4: picture it, but no, I don't think I have it personally. I, I will
2: send it, it to you. It's Benner, um, Jim Jefferson, who's passed away, right. I just found out. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, Michael Benner, Jim Jefferson, Karen Savelli, Ken Calvert, and Brent Wilson. And who, Am I missing anybody? No. I guess just there were five of us. <laughs> And we were looking like we looked like the the it looked like the back of Journey's first album. <laughs> we were we were some, but that's like I said, if we would have had a bunkhouse, I would have lived there.
3: Well, and we all had a responsibility to change the letters on the sign at one point or another, or cut the lawn.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And Chris Fahey would tell teletrop- us. Buzz, here's
4: something I remember. Buzz, Buzz, next to your sales desk down on that first floor that Ken described, you had a picture of a hammock in the sunshine. Yeah. Looking like it was on the beach in Hawaii or whatever like yeah. that. Yeah, that's where so I hell, came that from. Was your, that was your ultimate goal. That was where you came from?
3: Yeah, yes. when I got out of the service, I stayed in Hawaii for another three years. Okay. And, and that's where you were going back to? Yeah, I was going to go back that's to that you, come you, hell you or did, high water.
2: Did you ever make it back?
3: Oh, yeah, but, you know, just on vacations and honeymoons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One honeymoon. Yeah. Do- Donald,
2: Donald, I appreciate you coming. The good honeymoon or the bad honeymoon? I mean, it was a good honeymoon. It was but, a good honeymoon, it was, yeah. was it the
0: keeper or, or, the, no, or the sleeper? It was the trace. <laughs> All right, okay. Donald, I appreciate you coming on. Anything you want to add before uh, we let you go?
4: Uh, nope. It's just a pleasure to be uh, remembered and associated with the group 49 years later, Ken.
0: Who, who hired? Just
2: did you hire um, Randy Thomas? Yes. Okay. All right. She's yes. going now on is to be doing well, announcing she,
4: on the yeah, Washington want <coughs> Florida.
2: She is she's I just happened to see she, something. She's making at least three million dollars a year yeah. doing VOs. Entertainment Tonight was always her but she also did the, the Tony's the Academy Awards and the the Emmys. Emmys. And guess what else the, she just did? What? The hearings on on Monday night. Really? The voice leading in and, and ladies and gentlemen live from Washington DC. Washington D.C. Wow! In- on one network or on oh, the entire feed? Because I, I thought it was one feed for all of them.
4: I think it, it? Was yeah, it was one feed,
3: one feed for everybody. Wow. Yes. Yeah. wow! Yeah. So that was she had a good day, and I, she is that good. She is. is that good, and she's an extremely wonderful individual. She's incredible. I mean, I worked with her it was forty some years ago when we worked together at W four, and I got a thing when my son passed away. I got a thing from her oh. telling me how sorry she was oh, to hear it. So she stayed in touch with everybody. That's sweet. And man. I might add, Don, that anybody who has ever worked with you, from the people at W. Ford or my good friend Bob Schick or any of the people at WWJ, you are an iconic individual who everybody says marvelous things about. You are should be very proud of your career and yourself at this point in life. You know what? I this, was. Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to say 100% echo um what you're saying there
4: thank you i had lunch with you at uh, what was the restaurant the burger place right by tiger stadium down there uh, was it nemo's nemo's, nemo's. nemo's. Buzz, yeah. buzz and i have lunch at nemo's 1975 i'm gonna say <laughs> and buzz tells me good things come to all that weight so i'm glad i waited to get that nod from you in 2022
2: oh thank you That's well awesome. you you're an incredible man i'll tell you what the only yep. you remind me so much of another friend of mine who is also in the business and now retired michael mayer oh yeah Michael Mayer is just another guy who's just
3: kept a midnight cab driver yeah yeah, you
4: know what and thanks to my friends at WJR I'm still doing 6am to 8am on Sunday mornings on WJR I'm the second voice to Joe Gannon the appliance doctor and
2: uh, I'm Joe Gannon here's what I want you to to do go around (laughs) to the back of that dryer you're (laughs) going to see six six what look to be like little crosses that you'd see in a rosary (laughs) <laughs> and here's where
0: we come full circle, Ken, because that was my very first job in radio was was answering phones for Joe Gann, the appliance doctor at JR. He, back he, he in he was 2000. a phone lighter man. Oh man, oh, God, he was yes. a phone lighter. Yeah. So, Donald, thank you so much for joining us. Thank we you, appreciate you, Ron, Don, Ken, I, I, Buzz. Yeah, I,
2: I encourage everyone that is listening to the podcast right now to go to YouTube just to get a better visual of Don Schuster and check out Don Schuster on the air at W4 wearing a shirt and a tie, and watch him slam it and jam it like nobody ever has before. He's literally dancing and just doing a radio show. It's
4: popping. 1970, 1976, months out of high school, and my older brother, who's four years older than me, gets a new Bell & Howell Soundo Filmo camera for uh, Christmas for himself, and it was the first time you could take an 8 millimeter film but hook it with a little wire to a cassette machine, and it would sync sound. So he tapes me, and Art Volo says that might be the oldest radio air check of the modern age out there, because it wasn't even videotaped to begin with. It was truly wow. eight millimeter.
2: For that reason alone, what's the title? When people go to search Don on Don Schuster, U-
4: 1970.
2: And Schuster spelled Schuster, 19 S C H U S T E R, right? Okay. So I wanted to get that in because I can look at that all day. If I'm ever in a bad mood, I look at that and I go, no, no, that's what we do, Ken. We love radio. Thanks, Don Schuster. Schuster 19-
3: Thank Good to see you, Dan. Thank you. Thank Take you, bud. Thank you, Robert. <clears throat> Thanks again.
2: See, he lives in Ann Arbor now. He yeah. gets to just go do. He's going to probably. Uh
0: Well, who knows
2: what they do? Yeah, he's
0: got a lot to do in Ann Arbor. Uh, This segment is brought to you by Radio Days, 101 Years of Radio, documentary about the history of radio. Find out which station was the first licensed station. Was it WWJ or KDKA? The first superstar celebrity created by radio was a priest from Detroit. I think you knew that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it would be. Father um,
2: Cottlin uh, went F- by the shrine today. Those yeah. towers, those sound towers, are still up there.
0: It's to t- t- the radio history. Uh, I also talk about the genesis of Top Forty and FM. And uh, as of course, you can find out more about this when it's slated for release in the next couple of months. Go to RonRobinsonStudios Hear the stories from those who lived it. And someone who lived it is my guest today, Ken Calvert. Thanks, thanks again for joining me today. And, and I want to talk. We talked a little bit about your W four days, and we're going to keep buzz on here for a little bit, but. Uh, when and why did you leave W-4 to move over to ABX? Talk about that transition. I don't know if it
2: was the, the smartest move I ever made, but it was one I had to make. Oh, absolutely. I had to make. I mean, W-A-B-X was so iconic, at least in my head and my mind, that I just had to. That, those were that, that original team, their original team. And so many claim to be Air Aces. Even I don't claim to be an Air Ace. An air ace was Dan Carlisle, and it would have been as well. Jerry Lubin. Jerry Lubin. It would have been uh, Paul, Paul Greiner. It would have also been, um, I'm trying to, Dave Dixon. Oh, God, The yeah. great Dave Dixon. So he said Dixon, Carlisle, Lubin, um, and I'm trying to think of Dennis Frawley.
3: Frawley, Okay. Oh, and, yeah. and,
2: and And the righteous Rudnick. The righteous Rudnick. The righteous Rudnick. Those were the air aces. They were the guys. That, now, what? Why were they
0: air aces?
2: They named themselves. It's because what they did. It. They were. They were smart enough then to realize what, what the history looked like. They. They wanted. They also wanted their their time to stand still, and people. You know, people that you got to realize, Ron, this is something that that is going to be in a history book. Now, it's not going to be something that people are saying, I remember. No, the only way they're going to remember is if they go somewhere and listen to an audio file.
3: Or if they go on the Facebook uh, ABX page. That... Yeah, and but it's people contributing who right. are
2: members of, of a legion and not the people that really lived it and put it out there. And I have no no qualms well, with that. I have no qualms with that at all. I do something every day on Twitter and Facebook. The Ken Calvert Show on Facebook. It's a separate page from my Ken Calvert, mm-hmm. and every day I put up at least three or four things that happened on this date in rock and roll, and I, I investigated five different ways to Sunday to make sure that I'm not I'm not I'm right, right. And I've discovered so many, so many sites historically are incorrect. I mean, they really get it wrong. They get the year wrong. They get the actual date wrong. But there's a lot of... For example, yesterday was recorded on this date uh, back in 1965 or 66. I should know because I, I posted it. But it, 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 before I would do that, I wanted to make sure... Because it was recorded, the rest of the Beatles wanted nothing to do with the song yesterday. But I had to dig deep, 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 deep to get... Just how even then these guys were not getting along, and Paul McCartney wrote the song, and they went, "That's not us," and so on and so forth. So those are pages that. That's I. I I have a great base and a lot of people following it, but I also have a lot of radio stations following it because I'm doing their show prep for them every (laughs) day, absolutely, with Facebook and Twitter. So if you need a really great source, folks, for because I don't get a dime out of this, but a love, you know, because I just love being. I was living it. I was. I was. A par- That's a whole
0: industry as a, as a morning show service. You could make I a was, living off of that.
2: Well, I, I prefer <laughs> I prefer to do a morning show somewhere, <laughs> but but anyway, um, the the I, I'm I'm sort of like again, my mind just goes no, go all, all over is going go ahead. It's all yours, yeah. But I mean, ABX was a place that um, I just had to work at, and I knew I was going to take shit, and pardon my language, but I knew that that at the time. Um, it was, uh, it was, oh, and it was John, I'm trying to think of who the general man- manager was, before Al Wilson. John Detz? Uh, John Detz, thank you. John Detz, who really was sort of a disinterested guy in me, but they did need some help. They did have some, they were starting to transcend into real lives. Like, in other words, we don't sleep here anymore. We actually want vacations and Stuff so, and meet, I'm talking about the staff. Mm-hmm. So they needed somebody that sort of sounded like the ABX guys sounded, and per their approval, I guess because I never knew for sure, but it couldn't have happened without, you know, the real air aces right. approval.
3: Of bringing you aboard. They, they brought me aboard. Now what what uh, was? And, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say what was the dynamic like cuz there was a PD there but did the the the, the jocks kind of did no, they have a lot no. of freedom no there, there wasn't a, there was, was no, no there PD was that's no right
2: PD. you played anything you wanted and i'm talking about spoken word there's a guy that used to do the Levi commercials years ago and was just lived all thing he was one of the greatest voices out there he was like Paul Lafontaine with the movies um who did the levi Spots, in his name was Ken Nordine. Yep. And I remember Ken Nordine had a section in the WABX library that was spoken word and he would just and and it was almost like a it was almost like a a, a coffee shop, you know. It was like people snapping their fingers to Ken Nordine. So you could play anything you wanted. The Last Poets, you know. And I love The Last Poets, you know. The revolution will not be televised. (laughs) I love the fact that people think that just came out two years ago. No, that's been around for 45 years, you know, and Whitey on the Moon. Mm -hmm. The revolution will not be televised (laughs) (laughs) because Whitey is on the moon. And and, uh, that's another one. People should go and look up the last quote. The early, early cadence of rap. Mm -hmm. Truly the early cadence of rap. Anyway, ABX was a vault of music. It was There was albums everywhere, all three and a half walls. Uh, they had curtains in the studio, but nobody really liked to open the curtains. They liked a really sort of what we have in this studio right now. sort of. And these lights would be much lower, by the way. They smoked weed in the studio. I remember, um, uh, I'm not going to identify the jock per se, but he drank a six-pack a day of Heineken while on the air in the studio. Wow. Yeah, and did middays, you know, and you would never know. No, you know, no, never, never know. But it was something that I had the offer and I forget who. I think debts may have actually kind of gone underground with me somehow, some way. And I'm trying to think of we had a couple of parties that crossed over. And I remember one time we went out to a farmhouse and W4 sort of. Cross pollinated with ABX and mm-hmm. people got along. and I'll remember Cindy Phelong was the first female I ever worked alongside. Cindy Phelong was doing the news at WABX yep. and they did legitimate news, like it was an NPR type format. I mean, she did a half an hour at 12 noon. Wow, it's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. that's under- It was very oh. serious. Very serious, and she had interns. We knew I had no idea what in. She had runners, you know, getting literally stuff from. Like the, the production, city council, and all that. Yeah.
3: yeah. And the news of the day back then too was a lot more. um It was more dire because of Vietnam, because of the stuff going on, the racial situations well, here in Well, not to Detroit. mention
0: what CKLW was doing with the 2020 news too, right?
3: I oh, yeah. You remember? Yeah. Speaking of that, when we had a the the, the mayor called uh, all the radio station people together to try and um to banish the murder city thing where byron mcgregor used to come out and say today yeah. stock market plunges murder rate soars yeah, Byron he, McGregor, 2020 yeah. News. Young Bob Benson
2: wanted to be a big lake <laughs> ball player. Well, he got his chance today. He took that baseball bat, and he teed off on younger brother Bobby's head. <laughs> well, the gumshoes came and got him, and he's playing ball now in the
0: Crowbar Motel. <laughs> he made Detroit sound like Gotham City. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And he was. <laughs>
3: and he came to work for us at Wheels. Yes, he
0: did. Yes,
2: he did. And he came to work fresh every day too. Yes. He'd wear a beautiful suit and tie, yeah. and uh, just an incredible, incredible man. ABX was something I don't. I really don't remember. Of, you got to decide. Do you want the job or don't you? I remember sitting on the fence for a two or three week period, and debts finally called me and said, "Look, we got to move on here. Do you want it or don't you?" And I remember at the time the PD. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It wasn't Don Schuster, but I no. think it may. I, whoever followed, whoever followed Schuster, I don't know if it was Paul. Paul I think Su- it
3: might have been Sullivan.
2: It might have been Paul Sullivan, but no, it was Paul Sullivan. Yeah, it was Paul Sullivan, and Paul Sullivan. I just went to him, and he didn't care because he was moving on anyway. He was going to Seattle. Yep. yeah, He was moving on anyway. So long story short, I ended up going to WABX, and I really enjoyed my time at WABX. I did, and I didn't. I loved the early stages, but I was terrified, and Carlisle was, not, was a decent enough guy to me. Dixon really had nothing to do with me. Dixon never, ever really had much to do with me. I actually became good, good friends. Um... Um, Of course, I just forgot his name, with Dennis Frawley, who lived very close to me at the time. I remember Frawley telling me, remember, we don't talk about sports on ABX, but we can talk about sports when the mics are off. Because he was a huge Tigers fan, a big Lions fan as well. And I remember we played baseball in a music league, and he -hmm. was like the only guy that would show up. But he he played well. He was a really good player. Uh, So... But anyway, there were restrictions that the Air Aces would put on me as a guy that would fill in. When I would fill in, they would, like, lock their own music up. They would literally, you, wow. can't, you can't touch this.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
2: and uh, But I took the gig, and that's when things really got interesting in my career. That that was, like, a whole... Did you get a lot of attention? <clears throat> Did I get a lot of what?
0: Of attention from other stations um, at that time?
2: At that time, there were... They were pissed off at W4, so I was like kind of, you know, you go to a concert, and it's like, oh, how are you doing? You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, it was like, hey, how do I get over there? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, people want – things were getting tighter and tighter formatically at W4. And the tighter and tighter the format got at W4, the more and more people wanted to go to WABX. True, that is. And uh, that was at the same time that WRIF FM was starting to really format – and they were starting to move on from Brother John Rygren, who just went by the name of Brother John. And I think that they also had they had Pen Penhallow was their was their yeah. was their the, was their show pony. They mm-hmm. brought yeah they brought in Cicero Grimes yeah from and speaking uh,
0: of Ann Arbor, I think it was Ann Arbor, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. outside of Ann Arbor, yeah. yeah. I want to say lived in Chelsea or something like the that. The great
0: Dick Kernan, I think, discovered yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it. Yeah,
2: well, what a presence he had! Oh and, my god! Yeah, it remains. That to this day. But um, anyway, I just know that more and more people were starting to get along in terms of radio kind of actually piling up on WRIF.
0: Yeah, the, one it was, thing, yeah. the
2: one thing we will never be is a formatted radio FM station like that, WRIF. Although WRIF, the program directors would say, look at these numbers. We are getting killed. <laughs> and you know why? It's because they have a format. And I remember they would kind of play everything. I remember they would play, like, Living for the City by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And we kind of thought, well, so are all the top
3: 40s. That's a lot. We, if it's on top 40, we
2: don't we play it. We don't
0: want to play it. We yeah. don't want to
3: play it. And W4 at the time, too, was between what Riff was and what ABX was. We touched on both sides because yeah. Walsh came from... He was the general manager that came from CKLW, and he was a broadcaster. Yeah, and he was going to teach all of us the business of broadcast. Yeah, well, he did. Yeah, and they brought in
2: the little boxes, the file boxes with the, we had uh, wowies and Whoppers and uh, A B C and Ds, and we were allowed one Wowie a night, and you could only play the Wowie once every six days, but you had to put your initials. So there was a lot of different formatting was beginning everywhere. Riff was the was the tightest. Uh, you couldn't get any tighter for an FM radio station. They were probably playing literally 300 songs, which was by by our standards absurd. I could play 300 songs in a week. Um, they were starting to play, and this is where they really stepped in a bucket of of pucky, if you will. They were actually starting to. Not play the long songs. I mean, they were starting to go for more music in the hour and all right. that sort of stuff. And they were dealing with ABC news at the top of the hour before ABC. News. Anyway, that I'm straying all over them, remembering this, this stuff. But then
3: Lee Abrams came in and changed the, yeah. the, the yeah. concept of it.
2: But ABX ABX started to started to fray a little bit at the seams when when W four started to format up. Uh, what happened was that Shelly Grafman, the owner of the of the facility, who also had KC in St. Louis, which was gigantic and to this day, is still gigantic, a gigantic radio station. Shelley Grafman came in and he was boots on the ground, and he looked at me and he seemed to think that I was the one sane human left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how I more or less took it. He could kind of tell me what to do and then get the rest to follow me right? as best I could. All he wanted me to do was try. So he wanted me to kind of, uh, to take this KC format and sort of put it in the studio and just ask them to try it. Yeah. Maybe we got a little Goldilocks here. Some thought it was too cold. <laughs> Some <laughs> thought it was too hot. Some thought it was just right. Well, Shelly thought it was just right. Shelly, though, was a rocker. He wore blue jeans, he wore a big casey belt buckle, he wore a stupid baseball cap, he had a toupee of long hair. Um, he's a wild dude, man. Anyway, so,
0: so you were at ABX for three years, but then you left radio to take a job with record companies. How how did this present itself?
2: Well let me just do one thing real okay. quickly. While I was at ABX, the day came when he fired Shelly Graffman told me to fire Steve Dahl. Oh my Steve Dahl and I were were best friends. Steve Dahl and I were were we were at one point, I mean, we were just, we did everything together. He and another guy that came to ABX, which nobody got, went on to be a commentator for NBC Sports, Joel Myers. Yeah. And Joel Myers was big and is still the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers.
3: He's got a huge voice.
2: Oh, my Good God. God. <laughs> and so it's an important part of my career was just that. So I've got to tell you that at one point, Grafman told me, Go in there and fire Steve Dahl, because he was eating his cereal on the radio. See, morning day, morning at that time, morning was all nights. Right, people weren't getting into music until at about ten a.m. in the morning. So if you did the morning show, you were hogtied. You nobody cared. Right. you know there was no reason for you to do sports, weather, traffic, unless you did it on your own. to sort of like see if you could compete. Well, Dahl came in from California, hired by Shelley Grafman, and Dahl started, and what he did in, in California, in Sacramento, was he ate cereal and he became the guy who was always eating food on the air. So he did that, he, he'd do cereal, and he did a couple of other things that, that people were really starting to like. He really was moving the meter in the morning. Right. And so by the time Shelley Grafman had had it with him, the listeners had not. The listeners were starting to really embrace this guy, so Shelley said, "Go in the room and fire this guy. I can't stand it, stand it anymore. All he talks about is eating a cereal and wanting to sleep with Linda Ronstadt." He did not say <laughs> it like that, by the way. No, and he did. He also he always said Linda Ronstadt, Linda Ronstadt, and it's kingdom to just be with Linda Ronstadt for a night in the Cub Scout uniform. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so. And I knew that, that Doll was, I mean, I'm serious now. I knew that Dow was going to be big. And I said, I think you're making a big mistake. And I remember going to W. He said, I'm going to W. Somebody. I,
3: I took him for a boat ride. I remember I had that that uh, go fast boat. Yeah. And I grabbed him and took him for a boat ride. And we went out and had a great time. And because I was told, you know him, don't you? And I said, yeah, I know him. And, he, uh, and they said, well, we, we would love to have him here. And. So we went out and we went for a boat ride and we put the thing together and I brought him back in and Walsh hired him and the, the next thing was yeah. was history and he was gone
2: he was gone wow. like that and I and I, I to this day it's the biggest mistake maybe in the history of Detroit radio the only other one was made by W four however letting Howard Stern go oh God because Howard Stern was coming on hot and fast oh
0: God well if they would have changed formats they could have kept them maybe
2: well that's a good point yeah maybe and I'm sure they would have. Yeah. I'm sure they would have. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't have just been, he wouldn't have been even. He would have been a chapter in his book, private right. parts as opposed to just a couple of pages. Mm-hmm. But I remember telling Shelley Grafman, you're making a big mistake. My point is, he put me on in mornings and all I did was answer the phone and say he went to W4. <laughs> he went to W or er, uh-huh. excuse me. Yeah, he went to W4. All these eight, all six lines he went to W-4. Phones were ringing. What, what happened to Steve? What happened to the guy that ate the cereal? And I went, he went to W-4. He, uh,
3: I had gotten a, um, when he got there, I had gotten an order from Ross Roy Advertising, which was one of the big advertising agencies, and their offices were across the street. Yeah. And it was for, I think it was for um, DTE Energy or one of those, and there was a woman that did the spot. And he came on the air when the spot would come on, and he would, the spot would finish, and he'd go... I just want to eat cereal off of her belly. It oh, mm-hmm. no, yeah. wow. went on and on, and so they called up, and I had to go over there and defend it and defend Dahl and all that, and that was just one of many things that we had to deal with with the
0: advertisers with Dahl. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. He wasn't afraid to uh, go after nope. anything. No, he, and he was a rule breaker, not a rule maker, all the way.
0: He was Howard and, Stern and and David Letterman before they were doing that, that kind of shtick. yeah. Yeah, he was kind of
2: inventing it as he goes, but he was a quick learning. He's a really bright guy. Still, I shouldn't say in the past tense, He's a very, very bright very guy. Very bright guy. Um, I mean, you know, anybody that can put together the disco demolition, oh. and anybody that can get a team to forfeit. You know what I mean?
3: Well, we we won. A, Tigers we're, were awful, and we won a game. Yeah, we, we, we won, a double double won a doubleheader.
0: <laughs> My favorite part of that was because, if you remember, they didn't show both games, so they came on the second game, and to see Ernie Harwell, or not Ernie Harwell, but George Kell and Al Kaline, Befuddled about what was happening. They,
2: yeah, there was, and I was living in Chicago when that happened. When, that's, that's, that's so when, you were CBS Records. Uh, yeah, because... So you, yes, you, you, so segue to CBS Records. So you say, how did I uh, um, get a, end up with CBS? Well, the bottom line was I became what they... There was a fellow by the name of Bob Birch out of St. Louis who became the national PD. And so he ran both St. Louis, which was a no-brainer, and never was, never to this day still is a power number one. And as a matter of fact, he decided he liked it better in in, um, St. Louis than he did here. And he also liked the fact that they were looking at property in Los Angeles and San Francisco. So he was the guy that was out looking for properties. I stayed back, and I was the guy that took just the... uh, The hard part of the gig. You know, do this, do that. And they were starting to implement a format. The guys were pushing back harder and harder. However, there were people still desperate to get in and get on at W-A-B-X. And so I was also dealing with all of the record reps, and I got along with all of the record reps really, really well, including the uh, CBS record folks, which was Epic's, uh, rather Epic, and Epic's associated labels, and also CBS Columbia Records. So I went to work for Epic Records first, and I left at ABX, and it wasn't that big a deal for them. It was like, oh, okay. And um, <laughs> I think I had already hired Costan at that point. Yeah, I think I had hired Costan, and and um, but long story short, again on that, I ended up going to Chicago, where I um, took on the record industry for three and a half years, and uh, there was a phone call that came in. In late 1979, from Jim Johnson and Calvert, he said, "You're coming home," but I got that whole year, those three and a half years in in radio, were really special, super, super special. But anyway, that's it. I mean, they were they asked me to go, and I thought this is the time to go. I thought I'd spend the rest of my life with Columbia Records. I thought I'd go and grow. It was paying decent money. It was great life. Had. Just an incredible expense account. I loved it.
0: Who were some of the artists that you had to kind of... Who didn't I? <laughs> Springsteen.
2: Yeah, Springsteen. Well, I went on the Columbia side. I had everybody from Lou Rawls to Springsteen, Billy Joel. Um, we actually had the Rolling Stones for one album. Um, we certainly had... Um, oh, God, we had everybody. Everybody. I mean, I literally the question would... Uh, I remember being out on the road with Bruce. I remember being out on the road with Aerosmith. I remember being out on the road. Aerosmith was great. I've got a great thank you letter on my wall thanking me for the tour that summer. Um, got a great thank you note from Bruce thanking me for the Darkness on the Edge of Town tour. Um, I guess, who else? We I mean, we had so many. I really wish, if anybody wants to Google, if you Googled names on on... Columbia Records. Oh man. It'd be off the charts. They're, they don't, they're there's Columbia or whatever it is now.
0: Well, that wraps up part one of my interview with Mr. Ken Calvert. Today's show has been brought to you by the Linda Ray team, NRM Streamcast, and of course Radio Days, 101 Years of Radio the Docuseries. Don't uh, make sure you tune in next Friday for part two of my interview with Ken Calvert. Until then.
1: You can't go! All the plants are gonna die.